Well, certainly appreciate the opportunity to be here again for certain. Um, nobody told me that it would be different, though. <laughs> you know, that's a little bit of a struggle. Like, if you remember, inflexibility was one of those issues that consistently had come up. Uh, so let, I'll, give, I'll give you a little bit of report on what our life has been. So I feel as if I've become far more flexible than I was even becoming toward the end of my ministry here. For example, you may remember that we used to keep a couple of gallons of water in the refrigerator door, right? And there was a, a regular rotation of always making sure that we have cold water. You'll be glad to know they're no longer in the door. They're in the main part of the fridge. <laughs> Totally different. Totally, totally different. Your hair, your hair is great too. Mike. My hair is so damn. My, my dad had mentioned that as well, and I was like, "Boy, thanks, Dad. Like, I appreciate, I appreciate that. It's, it's funny. I feel hair back here. Like, I, I know that it's here, but when I've seen pictures of back here, what's happening? Like, how? I feel there's hair. Why doesn't it look like it when, when it's back there? I don't know. That's weird. Uh, also, where the toilet paper still has to come over the top. Uh, it, like, I'm not as brand, you know, as brand heavy as I used to be. So, I'm a whole new me. There's a whole new Michael right here, right? So, I... Uh, I am really blessed to work at Atlanta Bible College now. Atlanta Bible College is part of the Church of God General Conference. The Church of God General Conference is, is uh, actually just a, a network of churches that share, um, share a heritage and share some doctrinal positions um, throughout you know, the United States and, and Canada and into different parts of the world. The General Conference specifically just joins those churches together in different ministries that we recognize we can do Together, that would be really challenging to do alone. So Lord's Harvest International is our mission sending, you know, our, our mission agency within the Church of God General Conference. And, and really, you know, a, a lot of that administration happens through volunteers throughout the, throughout the General Conference. But, but also a lot of administrative things happen uh, at the General Conference location where I work as well. Turning Point Youth Ministry, which puts on fuel every, every year, is, is another element of the Church of God General Conference. And Atlanta Bible College is another element of the Church of God General Conference. There are other things as well. Josiah mentioned the, the quarterlies. You know, we, we print, uh, print lessons and we print information for people to be blessed and be shared uh, together. Just to join us together and recognize the importance that, indeed, we're able to do so, so far greater as we... Uh, as we work together and join together in those things. And I'm really blessed to be a part of the Bible College. Uh, it, it has brought its own unique challenges. Uh, who would have known that less than a year into it, we'd have a global pandemic and education across the board from, from K to post high would, would be uh, completely different. So that, uh, that obviously brought some challenges and, and whatnot. But we praise the Lord for his faithfulness in all things. So this morning, you know, kind of this interesting thing, what in the world do I preach about? Uh, you know, I have this one shot. And there's a little bit of nervousness because I don't preach a whole lot anymore. I teach a class, and that's super boring. But poor blessings back here. Had me. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was... It was, man, it was a long semester. I, I taught the, the riveting course... Pastoral Leadership and Administration. 
I mean, that just sounds exciting, right? We talk about policies and constitution. I loved it. But, it, yeah, it's a, that was a long two hours and 45 minutes every, every Wednesday morning, for sure. So, in considering, uh, you know, what, what is it that God has been putting on my heart and, and consistently, uh, I'd say far, far longer than the last couple of years, is it, the idea of service. Like, God just continues to call us to service. And especially as we look at the life of Jesus, we, we consistently see this, uh, this tough dude who's service, like just serving people. Just consistently, he's giving of himself and, and giving of himself fully uh, to others. Ken Blanchard co-wrote a book. Ken Blanchard has written a number of books on leadership and especially service within leadership. He co-wrote a book called The Secret, What Great Leaders Know and Do. And within that, there's a line, a person can serve well without leading, but a leader can't lead well without serving. Just that recognition that there is, even within the business world, that, that leaders who serve find far greater success than those leaders who, uh, who, who maybe gather their own um, self-worth and self-value, but rather as they serve the organization, as they, as they serve other people within that organization, they, found, they find far greater success. And in fact, they, they even find far greater peace and joy in life than, than those who do not have the same kind of service heart. Gallup polls consistently show that, that as we are focused on other people rather than ourselves, there, there is a far greater peace. There, there's a lot lower um, likelihood of, of anxiety and depression and, and these kinds of things as we're focused on other people. Let's open our Bibles this morning. If you didn't bring one, there, there are probably some under the chairs in front of you. Um, if you grab a, a book and you open it up, there's a whole bunch of music. Maybe look in the next chair over. That's a hymn book. That's not going to do you a whole lot of good right now. Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 33 through 35 this morning. Mark 9, 33 to 35. So it says that they came to Capernaum. This is Jesus and his disciples. And when he, when he was in the house, he asked them, uh, Hey guys, what were you guys arguing about on the road? Now it's interesting because... The disciples were having this discussion, but it seems as if maybe they didn't know that Jesus was hearing them have this discussion. And so at the time, this was probably almost like a gotcha moment, you know, for, for Jesus and the disciples were like, uh-oh, like, busted. They kept quiet because on their way, they had argued about who was the greatest. So isn't it interesting that among themselves, they'd have this conversation about who's the greatest? Yeah. You know, you just hear 
John saying, well, Jesus loved me more than you. I mean, he write, you know, as he writes the gospel, oh, the one Jesus loved the most. You know, it's like just rubbing it in to people. In fact, I, I love this. And I know you've heard me say it before, but I love in the account of the resurrection when, uh, when John and Peter are running to the, to the empty tomb. Three times, John makes sure to remind you, oh, by the way, I beat Peter there. Like, we were both running, but I won. Like, I'm the one that beat him there. So it's a no surprise that they're having a conversation of, who do you think the greatest is? Oh, it's probably me. No, I'm pretty confident it's me. You know, that, that kind of a thing. And they know they're busted. Like, they know this really isn't okay. And that's why when Jesus asks, hey, what were you guys, were you guys arguing about back there? Hmm? Right? Like, Silence. Because they know that's, that's not the right heart, that's not the right mind to have. And so sitting down, verse 35, Jesus called the twelve and he said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Just that reminder to his disciples of, if, if you want to be the one that's greatest, then you need to change your mind of what that is and what that looks like. Because it's, it's the one who's last. It's the one who serves. They're the ones who are greatest. They're the ones who have that esteem. They're the ones who have that honor in the eyes of Christ. Let's look just a little bit later in Mark. This time, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 41 to 45. So, so now, it took an entire chapter for James and John to work up the nerve to say, to, after this conversation, to say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, uh, when we come into the kingdom, would it be okay if I sat on the right and, and my brother sat on the left? Like, that'd be good, right? <laughs> so an entire chapter it took them to take this teaching of whoever wants to be first should be last, and, you know, whoever wants to be greatest should be servant. It took them an entire chapter to get to the point of saying, yeah, but we're going to be the ones sitting on your right and left hand, right? We're going to have that, that imminence and we're going to have that reverence from everybody else, right? So in verse 35, when the ten heard about this conversation, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this idea that Jesus shares with them, he uses a couple of words that we're not usually very comfortable with, right? He uses the word servant, and then he even uses the word slave. And in that, he's attempting to teach them this mindset that we need to have in our lives as we relate to other people, as we work in the workplace, as we interact with our, with our neighbors and with our friends. Just this mindset that we would have in, in which we change our minds from being the greatest Instead of seeking that we would be honored and sit by Jesus' right hand or his left hand when he comes into the kingdom, instead being in a place where we recognize I have an opportunity to serve others around me on a regular and consistent basis. And I'm going to choose to do that, even though I won't win any awards, and I'm not going to get a pat on the back, 
I'm going to serve. And in fact, Jesus even uses the word slave, that you would be a slave to all. So these words that Jesus uses, the, the, the Greek word for servant there is diakonos, which is uh, like the word deacon. And it really is using your abilities and your resources to meet needs. Now, at its very foundation, it's to wait upon menially. Okay, so this idea of service is to wait upon somebody menially. Okay, but really within scripture, it's using the resources that God has granted us to be able to meet the needs, the needs of those around us, the the needs of, of a community that we would meet needs. Now we see this come out in a number of different scriptures, but this morning I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter uses the same word as he talks about just how we would engage within a church and how we would engage with people around us. So 1 Peter chapter 4, let's look at verses 10 and 11. First Peter 4, 10 and 11. It says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very word of God. If anyone serves, and that word serves there is, is that same word that Jesus used in service when he talked in, in Mark. If, it is, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I love how Peter talks about this, and he talks about as we serve, we should serve with the strength that God gives to us. And I just find that really, really interesting, because when we serve, we really need the strength that comes from God. When we really are serving and just giving our hearts fully, we need something beyond us. And, and many of you know that because you've experienced that. You've seen that. Uh, every once in a while, uh, our family and doing foster care would bring some new friends with us to church. You remember some of those friends, right? I needed the strength of God to serve them because my strength was not great enough to serve them. And you saw it because once in a while you'd see me exercising my own strength and it looked like impatience and it looked like frustration and it looked like all of those things, right? But as I served and as we served them with the strength that came from God, we were equipped to be able to really love them in times that they said that they hated us. We'd be able to really extend to them encouragement, and blessing and peace when they needed that the most. And you know that from other opportunities that you've had to serve in your life too. That it is really difficult sometimes to be kind and to be a blessing to somebody who really needs you to be kind and to be a blessing. And where maybe your initial response, if you're like me, would be one in which You'd, you'd respond with a sarcastic, sharp answer, right? But God's strength gives us 
the strength to be able to respond with encouragement and respond in peace. And that's service. That's service because we're putting somebody above ourselves. Now, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus not only uses the word service, but he also uses the word slave. That word slave is a Greek word, doulos. And that word for slave there really is to submit fully to the will of another. That's what that word at its core means, to submit fully to the will of another. In Philippians chapter 2, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, we find the same exact word being used as we consider our lives in service to Jesus Christ. And ultimately, all of the things that we're doing, whether we're serving uh, our our friend next door, whether we're serving serving a a relative who's just really frustrating us, whoever we're serving, ultimately, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're serving Jesus Christ. And so in Philippians chapter 2, hmm, When you get to Philippians chapter 2, just like one more book after that is Colossians, right? So in Colossians, we'll get to Philippians chapter 2. I just got a little bit ahead of myself. But honestly, I'm feeling really good about how things are going. Like overall, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, they say uh, riding a bicycle, you know, once you know how to do it, then you can just jump on a bike any old time in the future. I have found that's only partially true. I've, so I'm hoping, and I used the first time I preached, that the same thought came to me. I'm hoping this is way more like making toast. Because <laughs> once you learn making toast, I have found it's really, really hard to botch that up. Like once you know how. You just, so I was really hoping for toast this morning. And I, and I feel, so far, I feel like pretty good. So not Philippians, Colossians, okay? Colossians chapter 3 verses 22 to 24. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes are on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. That principle, that idea, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. That in all of the things that we do, that we are serving Jesus Christ. That is a truth and a reality that is present in all of the kinds of service that we could provide for other people. That, that as I serve my wife by, by seeking her um, her encouraging words, her, her wisdom and understanding and as, as decisions are there to be made. As I revere her and recognize the importance of, of who she is in, in our relationship, I'm serving her, but I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ in that. As a parent, as I refrain from, um, from discouraging my kids, as I refrain from using sarcasm in every comment that I have with them, as I serve them in that way and serve them and bringing them up in the instruction and, and righteousness of the Lord, as I serve them in that, I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He is ultimately the one to whom I am deferring my will. 
I'm setting aside my own authority, and I'm seeking the authority of Jesus Christ in all the things that I do. And when we do that, we will find success. We'll find success in our relationships. We'll find success in, I believe, our employment. We'll find success in all of the things that we put our hands to. Because we're seeking the will of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the things that we're doing. And that comes out in service to others. As we serve others, we are serving Jesus Christ. Let's look at Acts chapter 20, verse 35. We'll look at two verses real quick here. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and then then to Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. So Acts chapter 20, verse 35 It says, in everything that I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the, Lord, the words of the Lord Jesus himself, as he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, we find in Philippians chapter 2, Paul talking about this great service that Jesus Christ has done for all of humankind, that, that he would lay down his life as this ultimate example of, of a servant for others. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, Each of us should look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that importance of recognizing that other people ought to be respected and honored by us, that we would seek their interests, and not only our own. So in Mark chapter 10, as Jesus encourages the disciples that they would be servants and slaves to all, it goes on to say that just as the Son of Man, and Jesus there's talking about himself, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Right? Let's go to John chapter 13 then. In John chapter 13, we find this account of Jesus really displaying his service to his disciples. John chapter 13. So we're going to read John chapter 13. We're going to read through 17 verses, but I'm going to take them a little bit, um, just pieces at a time. So let's look just at verse 1 here in the beginning. John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. There's just something about this, and this is one of those things, like I don't have all of the answers to this one, but this is a really intriguing idea. Jesus, we remember him, right? Jesus died on the cross out of obedience to his father and certainly out of love for all of mankind. And yet here in chapter 13, verse 1, it talks about him displaying his, the full extent of his love as it then goes on to talk about him serving his disciples by washing their feet. 
there's something there, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't know what it is, but I just find it really, really interesting that it doesn't talk about, in fact, I would in the New Testament, it doesn't talk about Jesus showing his full extent of love by dying on the cross. Honestly, if that had come up uh, on Jeopardy, I would, you know, what was it that Jesus did? No, no, it wouldn't be that. It would be Jesus did this by showing the full extent of his love. What is dying on the cross? And I've been like 100% confident with that answer. Right? Anybody else? Is it just me? Yeah, I'd have been super confident with that answer. And yet it's within the context of Jesus washing his disciples' feet that it talks about him showing the full extent of his love. There's something there. There's something there. Goes on to verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. The first word in verse 4 is a really, really interesting word. It's the word so. Right? So is kind of like therefore. So like there's an idea. This leads to this. Jesus knew this, so this is what he did in response. Now, in the Greek, we do not find that word so. And in fact, you may have a Bible version that doesn't have the word so in it. It seems about half of the versions have the word so, and about half don't. So in some instances, then verse 3 ends, and there's a period. And then verse 4 begins, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. But again, there's something that's so intriguing to me about this idea that Jesus knew God had put everything under him. Jesus knew that he is about to ascend into heaven. Now, that's going to happen through his grueling death on the cross, but his eventual resurrection and and ascension into heaven. Jesus knew that he's the Christ, the one figure in all of history who is going to completely and utterly change the world. Jesus knew this. He knew the authority that he had. He knew how important he was. He knew how significant and valuable he was. He knew so much that he washed his disciples' feet. Now I fully understand how important I am. I'm going to wash your feet. That is not the way I respond to understanding my own authority. That is not the way that I understand when I feel like, hey, I'm kind of important now. But that's the way that Jesus responded. That then becomes mine. That's the way I want to respond. That's the way I ought to respond. He understands his significance, his value. value. He understands he is the most important person ever to live. And he exerts his authority over his disciples by washing their feet. What an example. 
What an example that sadly I too often far, fall far too short of. But what an encouragement to me to recognize this is who I want to be. This is who I want to become. That I value other people enough that I'm going to serve them. Even though I'm important. Right? Going on then into verse 5. Verse 6. No, verse 5. After he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Changed his tune pretty quickly, didn't he? And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, although not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said that not everyone was clean. Let's just pause there for a second and see this interaction between Jesus and Peter. Peter I think also recognized, you remember, it was Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? He knew and understood who Jesus was. He recognized this is God's Messiah that, that we've been reading about all of our lives, right? Like he understood Jesus, who Jesus was. He understood his importance. He understood his authority. He recognized the importance of Jesus. And, and Peter then says, this can't, you're not going to wash my feet. But Jesus corrects him. And I think it's because of the reality there are times that we also need to be humble enough that we will allow others to serve us. That, that we'll put ourselves in a place where, where we recognize now's a day that I need ministry, that I need to be served. The problem is usually when we need it, that's when, uh, I won't speak for you. The problem for me is the days that I need it most are the days that I am bullheaded and stubborn enough to say I don't need it. And those are the days that I need to submit myself fully to Christ and allow the body of Christ to serve me and allow others to bless me with the strength that God has equipped them to bless me with. You see, there are times that that we need to be so humble, we recognize I can't do it by myself. And that is sometimes hard to admit. At least it is for me. But Jesus teaches Peter, no, there are times you're going to be served and you need it. And Jesus teaches me in that as well. There are times that I need to humble myself and be served. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So here Jesus clearly communicates to his disciples, I've set you an example that you would do this. We're, we're called to service in our lives. We're called to set aside our own desires and, and sometimes even our own selfishness and serve other people. Jesus has set us a great example in that. He showed his disciples the, the full extent of his love by serving them in the most menial, remember that word from earlier, in the most menial way possible within their culture, by washing their feet. And he did this in the midst of recognizing and understanding that he was the greatest man ever to live. And that so motivated him in his greatness that he served. Oh, that we should be like we would follow that example that he has set for us. And that we would have that same heart and that same mindset with the people who drive us bananas, who don't know how to drive, <laughs> who argue with us about everything even though we know we're right. <laughs> right? That we would serve and consistently display our love and, and the love of Jesus Christ to them ourselves. Let's pray this morning. Great God, you have been so good to us to provide for us an example through your son, Jesus Christ. An example of service that, that I would set aside my own desires, that I would set aside myself and instead follow that example of Christ. God, the opportunities are there for each one of us today, this week. Open our eyes to the understanding of when those times are that we would be obedient and follow you. We thank you for your goodness, your love, your grace, your equipping us. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.